What's up everyone, this is Nar and welcome back to Side. This is the second part of the interview with Viv and Vic Nair, the founders of Two Robbers. If you're just joining us, go back and listen to part one of the episode. In part two, the twin brothers talk about their new flavor that's launching soon, the inspiration behind all of the Two Robbers flavors, and the importance of focusing on quality when creating new beverages. The conversation transitions into the personal stories about Viv and Vic, as they reveal one thing that they usually don't share with the people in their lives. It's a fascinating conversation with two creatives who are really pushing the boundaries and limitations of what it means to be a new age brand, especially in a competitive space. There's lessons we can all take away from their journey. We hope you enjoy part two of the episode with the two robbers. But first, here's Dondella with the intro. I think when you said like earlier about like you know, the premise of, like, this podcast and trying to capture people at a specific moment. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to be delusional about what this moment is. Like, right now, this moment is something. This moment is something. Jeff, get after it. Move forward until the day that the Adams split turn St. Louis to Lazarus, turn Chicago to Nazareth. Uh, that's how you feel. My spirit feel like Bobby Seal with a million dollars. We thought about doing some. Uh, Cheers. We thought about doing some. Because we have we've done zero advertising to date, like paid advertising. Um, and so we're starting to think about doing that for next year. As, yeah. You know, we're trying to enter a lot of new markets, and so it just becomes more important. But one of the channels of advertising that I've heard is like, if you do it right, can be very effective is podcasts. Um, Cause you get the person who runs the podcast to talk about the brand. That's a very, very unique thing, you know? So Jeremiah, you wanna talk about two robbers? <laughs> <laughs> Anytime, we're drinking it right now. This is Chris. They have a new flavor coming out. Do y'all wanna talk about that? Yeah, it's, it's peach berry, it's our fourth flavor. We got, I mean, it's going to be, It's we've already done a couple of test batches and it's fire. It's going to be a really good one. But all of our flavors, I think, are um, are really unique. They are... Hell yeah. No, for real. We're trying to do something different. Yes. You know, we're trying to make things that might not be appealing to 10 out of 10 people, but mm-hmm. the 9 out of 10 people that like them will love them. So. Yeah. Uh, Viv said something that I think is extremely... You, I think equally unique and applicable. You said that this new flavor is probably the most approachable flavor that you all have. And I think that that is um, necessary for, for this new market, but also yeah. um, important for people to hear. You know, a seltzer that's approachable. Yeah. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, man. So, peach. Peach berry. Peach berry coming. Yeah, it's going to be fire. It's coming December. We'll probably roll it out um, mid December across. Oh, actually, dude, does a did I show you the artwork? You've seen the artwork. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. And I saw that you brought the can, and I just yeah, didn't yeah, have yeah. any pockets because I was yeah, Rick James. Yeah, we, got <laughs> we got the um, the podcast room. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> You'll be able to see um, what we're doing right now in the can. Yeah, it's cool. I, I, if you if you've had one can of two robbers, you probably wouldn't. Yeah. It becomes immediately clear when you line up the cans next to each other that there's four cans. 
So the, the three flavors, um, orange mango. Yeah. We have pineapple ginger and watermelon cucumber. And those three have been like, those are like the legacy flavors. Yeah. Can you all talk about um, the inspiration behind those? Can you talk about maybe, you know, some stories that you have about yeah. the individual flavors and just yeah. go from there? And also, can you speak a little bit about the inspiration behind Two Robbers specifically in that story yeah. of your apartment? Um, so a lot, a lot of things there, I guess. Where should I start? I'll, I'll start with the, the flavors, I guess. Um, the, the, um, the inspiration behind the flavors was really, I mean, it was pretty, pretty sing, you know, singular inspiration, which is that we wanted to make flavors that were, number one, you know, combinations that were really interesting and based off of you know, interesting cocktails and um, things like that. And and, um, and also all were um, subtle enough that anyone could, even though it's watermelon cucumber, you might not like cucumber, or even though it's pineapple ginger, you might not like ginger. It's not so overpowering or anything like that that you would pick it up and be like, that's not, you know, I, I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't have another sip of this. They're all... Yeah pretty straightforward and, and pretty easy to drink, I think. So that was really kind of the, the, the beginning thinking. And then what we did, honestly, we, we started uh, looking at, you know, cocktails, some of our favorite cocktails around, um, you know, different... Uh, we would literally just, like, go on Google and look up, like, our favorite bars in New York City and look at their cocktail menus and just get inspiration for, like, flavor combinations that made sense. Word. And we tried a bunch of different <laughs> things. I mean, we were trying different blueberry and mint and lime and all kinds of different things that some people have gone with and some people haven't but these were the ones that ultimately yeah. just made, they just as soon as like again the first time we tried orange mango was like that was it that's it that's the one yeah. and then pineapple yes. ginger you know was similar and so like it it really was a lot of trial and error and a lot of like trying to piece things together and peach berry was also similar it was we we tested out we knew we wanted to do something with peach and we tested peach out with a bunch of different things and the peach berry was just fire. Yeah. So that was I, I I'll I'll never forget like the so the orange mango, like we said, was the first one we did. That was the first one that, you know, we knew was this was money. Mm-hmm. And I forget exactly when it was. I think it was probably in the fall of twenty eighteen is when we had one of the batches of orange mango. We had it in these amber bottles, so it wasn't even it wasn't in cans yet. There was no artwork. I think we had pictures of the artwork. Yeah, that's when we started going around and talking to distributors, right? We'd, we'd show up to these distributor meetings and we'd say, you know, here's a sample in a brown bottle. And here's a picture of what it could look like. Yeah, and here's kind of the thesis. Okay. And like, I mean, thinking about that, that was our approach at that time, and the, and came to the belief we even got the cases. To be honest, versus like. Going to the distributor meetings that we go to and like knowing like the level of preparation that that we come with and that what's expected like I can't believe that we even were in the door at that point. But, yeah. But you know what? I remember taking it to the distributor that we're working with right now in Philadelphia, a company called Shangies, and the owner of the company his name's Nima, and we went in. I went and sat down with him and I showed him this amber bottle and I showed him the pitch and and he loved it and he he was he was all in. He was like, let's do this. Let's let's ride. 
yeah, I just, I can't, I just, yeah, thinking back, I mean, it's just, it's so insane to me that that worked, like, that actually happened. Yeah. And it actually, you know, we signed a deal at that point with what effectively in my mind today is, like, nothing, right? Like, a sample in a bottle and a, and a piece of paper. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. You all have amassed an uh, incredible amount of competence in this industry. Right? There's, there's few folks that are doing what you're doing right now. In Philadelphia, obviously, you all are the Philly hard seltzer. But nationwide, I mean, I know the market's it's, it's growing. You all think about that every single day, I'm sure. But if you can message I want to ask this question twofold. I want to talk what you all are doing jointly, then I want to talk individually. What is something that you want people to know about this industry that doesn't get, that's not out there, that's yeah. not transparent, right? Speak, message to people that want to get into it. And then part two of the question, part two of this question is an individual question. What, what, what is something that you want people to know about you individually, Vic, you individually, Viv, you that you don't usually share with, with people. Let's start with the industry. Yeah. How, how does somebody get into this? I don't know how someone gets into it. If someone was thinking about getting into it today, I'd probably tell them that if they were in Philly, please don't. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I think that, I mean, in my opinion, something that I would say about this industry is that Quality is, is important. It's the most important thing. Not just this industry, really. Any beverage, any any product that you're making that someone is consuming, quality is by and far the most important thing. Mm -hmm. You you will not win with branding. You have to win on quality. And uh, and I think this is one of those industries where because it's such a shocking product, um, so shockingly different than craft beer, mm -hmm. the instinct for a lot of people that like craft beer or natural wine or spirits or whatever is to look at a product like this and say that there's not really much thought that goes behind making it. Okay. But there's a lot of seltzers out in the market today and there's very few that have been successful. Yeah. And the reason that a White Claw truly has been successful is because they make really good, high quality products. Um, the reason other people have not been as successful is because they don't make as high quality products. And the reason that I think Two Robbers has found its own niche in the craft world is because we spent a year making, trying to make a very high quality product. And a lot of people, again, you'll look at something like that and you'll be like, two finance guys, like they don't know anything about brewing, how could they make a high quality product? Like research, straight up. Like we spent a year researching this, this shit and like thinking about every different thing that would go into what makes a hard seltzer. And a year later we came out with a great product. Yeah. And it took us a year. A lot of people are jumping into it now with, you know, I heard that this is how you make it and let me just make it quickly because it's not a product that requires a lot of thought and then you end up with something that's that's not, you know, super high quality. But that's, I think, the biggest, long term as the category grows, I think people will, will realize that. But right now, I think the biggest, the biggest thing I would say that's a misconception about this industry is that quality is super, super important. Right. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I think, um, you know, one, quality obviously is going to be the number one factor for success for any 
think that because because of regulation and because of the fact that you can't sell alcohol products direct to consumer, um, I think that social media has sort of been not taken as seriously by um, a lot of you know al alcohol companies, both beer and spirits. Um, and there's some companies that do an amazing job at it that really did. I mean, co a company like Natty Light, for example, those guys know what they're doing when it comes to social media. It's amazing. But there's a lot of other brands that are that are iconic brands that are falling behind now because they mm. don't have a good grasp on social media. So yeah. that's the other thing that is, I think, kind of interesting. And, and especially when you think about, and I don't know, no one knows what marketing channels are going to look like 10 years from now, 15 years from now. Might all be marketing on TikTok. I mean, who knows, right? But like, the, uh, yeah, but like the, I think the interesting thing for us is just that there's opportunity here. If you, yeah. if you know how to connect with So you all know the premise of this podcast is, is to capture a moment of time in your life. And um, I want to I want to transition from what you all do together to you all individually. Get, 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 <laughs> yeah, I want to ask you all what is I want to ask you, Vic, what is something that you want people to know about you individually? that you don't usually share with people? It's a tough question. Yeah. I don't want people to know about me. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think that, like, the... probably stems more from an insecurity more than anything else, but, you know, the biggest, I think, misunderstanding of me in a lot of the things that I've been doing is, in my opinion, is that I'm, I am a creative person and I think that because of the industries I've worked in and whatever like that gets lost a lot right so yeah. it's just one of those things where it's like you know I gravitated towards math because in my opinion I was curious and trying to be creative and math was that in my opinion is a very creative field to, to pursue yeah. and music doing all the production stuff it was like coming from never having produced a song to being um, you know a part of this creative hip-hop group that did amazing things in the short period of time that we were doing it um, you know the, the part of myself that I was that was most active during that time was creativity and yeah. uh, and I think that I loved my job prior to this, starting this company at the hedge fund I was working at, which it sounds like the, the last thing that you would think is a creative job, but like it was purely because of the fact that I was going to work every day and thinking about businesses creatively. Yeah. That's why it was a job I loved. And I think that the part of the reason we've been so successful is at True Roberts is because of the creativity that's gone behind the branding and all that kind of stuff. For sure. And a lot of that credit is always kind of like lost. And that's just, you know, I mean, it's 
security but it's something that I think is it's important to me yeah because that's part of my identity you know yeah he's showing out right now follow at two robbers on Instagram <laughs> you'll see Vic Hello, okay. Bertram Nair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dope, man. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's like, it's, again, it's just for, uh, for people that are, you know, in our, in, in the Indian community or in the yeah. American community or whatever, like, you'd be surprised that how creative some of these kids are even though they're studying medicine they're like they're about to become a doctor but they're like crazy smart kids doing you know that or the engineers or whatever you know so it's just something that i think it's an it's a common misunderstanding i think facts for sure i think that's i I hope that that's changing and you all are providing that spark and the catalyst for that to change you know for people you're messaging right now to people that are they're gonna ultimately like get into that creativity at an earlier stage than, than maybe you have or feel more comfortable to do it. Um, so that that means a lot for sure. You mind sharing, Viv? Yeah, um, I think a lot of um, my friends, you know, just knowing me in social settings, um, you know, might think that I'm like a social person or this probably don't know is just that I, I do consider myself a fairly introverted person I think I'm you know pretty introverted and I think that um, even like for example like doing interviews like this doing public anything public speeches this or that like has always been like pretty terrifying for me and it still is it's not something I'm you know super comfortable with and I think it's it's funny because the Instagram is so core to what we're doing at Two Robbers, mm-hmm. which is like such a a display of like it, Instagram can sometimes feel like it's such a loud, like boisterous place. But right. then, like realizing that the people behind it, the person behind it, is like pretty, like you know, low key introverted, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's I think something that probably a lot of people don't know or don't don't realize. Yeah. Um, so that's what I would say. I think. I appreciate you sharing that. The Instagram is all fake. <laughs> we don't exist. Google there's lied no to such, you. Facebook no lied to you. Yeah. <laughs> Poof. Man, I, I I feel the same way. I mean, there's a reason why. Yeah. There's a reason why I'm asking the questions instead of getting interviewed. No, and this thing is like it's it's a trust thing, right? And especially with this whole two robbers process and thinking about like doing interviews and stuff like I trust you and I know that this conversation, you know, whatever happens with this conversation, like I, I, I trust being in this setting with you, right? And so I'm, I'm comfortable to do it. But like a lot of times when like when we did the Fox interview, for example, like that was fucking you terrifying, dude. You should have seen Oh my god! Yeah. I didn't want to do it, and yeah. then it's bizarre because you think about it, you're like, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand viewers. I don't even know how many people watch this shit. Maybe mm-hmm. not that many. I don't know. But you go and you walk into the room and you sit down at the table, and it's like no one's watching you. There's a 
there's a camera over there. Mm-hmm. But that's it. So like, I don't know. The whole thing was just kind of a weird experience. Yeah. That, and it's yeah, that kind of stuff is just terrifying. To me. I, I feel you. I'm with you. I appreciate you um, being willing to do this though. You know, I think I don't know. Like you said, I don't know where this conversation will go or what it will mean, but um, if for you, you're able to um, take advantage of this moment, expressing yourself, yeah. and then moving forward from it, if that's what it means, then that's all that matters, you know? Yeah, so, no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I, I was watch. I remember watching a, um, a uh, interview of uh, Federer recently, I think it was like the Vogue 100 questions or whatever. And they were asking him, and it's, it's an athlete. I mean, you're yeah. one of the most winningest athletes of all time. And they're, they're asking him like something about like press, like what what's your thoughts about press? And he was just saying like, I, he's like, you know, I when I was earlier in my career, like I used to not, I used to really like not like doing press. I didn't, I didn't want to do it. And it made, gave me a lot of anxiety, blah, blah, blah. He's like, because I didn't trust the journalists. Which is kind of amazing, like, because he was just winning all the time. Like, why would you not? Yeah. But for him, it was like that. It wasn't the perfect story for him and this and that. And then over time, it's like over time, I realized like it doesn't. It's just almost. It's like a sport almost, right? Like, being right. in these interviews. And now he's just. I mean, now he's a, he just does it. He's a pro, like whatever. I don't see yeah. It's interesting. It's different yeah. though. It's different. This is the. This is a, a channel where you can. You can very much. Um, speak your mind you can say whatever you want well, this podcast specifically but also just these formats of conversation mm-hmm. whereas we've done interviews for um for people in philly that are curious about two robbers where yeah you, you know it, you're, just, you're so out of control of what is being written about you yeah and people just want to write about two robbers because right. they hear about it and so like all of a sudden you have these articles coming out that are just super Misleading, right? And like, completely miss the point of the article, and that's where I think the anxiety of press comes, yeah. and the, the distrust of press comes. But yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the, the these kinds of that's formats the are amazing great. thing is with, with like Federer, with like someone like Kanye today, right? Like, they've gotten so used to that that it's just fun for them at this point. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, they'll just do it for fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like they don't care about the outcome as much anymore. I guess if that makes sense. Right. I think it's a great point. And then you see Kanye's best interviews are the ones where you trust the person he's talking to, like saying, right? Like that's when he like, and even in that interview, they're like, Sway. Even in that interview, him and Zayn Lowe were like not on the same page for most of the interview. But it was, but he was like, yo, when I'm in the White House, I'll do an interview with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, I I think that I, I'm going to put this out there. We're waiting for a Two Robbers podcast. <laughs> two Robbers. Oh, you think we're coming out of the podcast? I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. We're omni-channel marketing. I'm just putting it out there. So the, the, we'll pivot to podcasts. The, <laughs> the last question. Um, you all have talked about folks that have had an impact on your life. Whose side should we capture next, in your opinion? Who's somebody that we should interview? Yeah. Definitely someone from Philly. <laughs> yeah, we, didn't, uh, we need to talk more about I, Philly. <laughs> um, so one of the guys we, we worked with, 
started, you know, earlier this year, we started working with them, and he's been amazing to work with, and one of the most brilliant marketing people I've ever met um, is a kid named Brendan Lowry. He runs an account in, in, um, on Instagram called PeopleMofia, mm. and, uh, and then he's, you know, runs his own account, and he's, he runs a company called Rory Creative that does various creative projects for different brands, but... I would definitely, uh, I would love, I think it would be amazing if you talk to him. I think he is, he has a very unique perspective on marketing because he's pretty much, you know, got his hands on this market and a lot of, in the Philadelphia market and a lot of different projects and has probably seen the growth over the last four or five years of this city in a way that very few people could probably, you know, that some of the insights he has, I think, are probably amazing. So, yeah, oh. I'd say that. Shout out to Brendan. Shout out to Philly. Shout we need to give Philly. love to Shout the city out. of brotherly love, yeah. the place that we all love. Um, yeah, Brendan, we're coming next. <laughs> Appreciate you all. Put you in touch. Have you met him? I have, yeah, because I came through the photo shoot. Okay. Um, yeah, right. you the photo shoot. Yeah,